welcome to the Youth Development Professionals Guidebook. I'm your host, Michael Garcia. And I'm your co-host, Al Ferreira. Thanks for joining us. Let's get started. How you doing, everybody? Welcome to another amazing episode of the Youth Development Professionals Guidebook. We are excited to welcome Gina Watts. Gina, welcome. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. We are excited. We have a another amazing John Maxwell person on. I know you've <laughs> all been listening to the past 24, 25 episodes of Al with his John Maxwell quotes. Gina's a John Maxwell amazing person too, but we are limiting the John Maxwell quotes to this episode. So guys, hold on. I want you to count at the end. I'm going to keep track for anyone over three each. Al owes me cookies. I'm just saying that's the way it's going to go. So <laughs> I'm Deal happy out. to toss you cookies. Yeah. Nice. Nice. <laughs> no, toss me cookies, not toss. Never mind. We're not going to go yeah, to that yeah. part. All right. So Gita, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. So thanks, Michael and Al. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm grateful to be here with you and your audience. Um, yeah, so my name is Gina. I'm just a country girl from Pennsylvania um, who has been transplanted to Ohio. Um, I, I have a heart and a love for serving young people. Um, I uh, don't just say that like to make it sound all romantic and, and, and dreamy. It, it's the truth. Um, ever since I was little, I knew I wanted to serve young people, even as a young person. And um, I've been fortunate to have the opportunity to serve on a pretty big platform um, through the John Maxwell team. Um, I get to serve as the global uh, developer and uh, I guess faculty member for our youth certification. I, I was able to create that uh, resource for the John Maxwell team as well as uh, lead our global youth initiative with a host of team members that that serve with me. Um, and we have had the blessed experience to serve nearly 1 million young people across the world since 2017. And so, um, and we only do it twice a year. So uh, frequency matters. So um, uh, we, we, we do it twice a year and we've been able to serve young people with free youth leadership events. And then when I'm not serving with the John Maxwell team, I also get to serve um, as executive director of Vineyard Community Center, as well as co-director of our missions ministries for Vineyard Columbus in Columbus, Ohio. And in that role, I still get to also serve youth. A part of my duties is overseeing our youth education department um, where we have a daycare for infants through five years of age. And then we have a kindergarten through 12th grade after school and summer school program. So um, I am uh, grateful I get to live out uh, uh, that, that little seed that was planted in my heart to serve young people every day. So Gina, talk to us. I, you know, I've heard so much from Al and I'll be honest, it's coming up on my Facebook feed all the time about John Maxwell youth initiative and right. you know talk to me a little bit about that what you know give give everybody a sense of what it is and what it's about and where you guys are going with it sure so um, the John Maxwell team is made up of 30,000 plus team members from all over the globe who are um, committed to learning and serving and growing as coaches, trainers, and speakers. That's the core of what the organization is. Um, uh, about, uh, I joined the team about um, eight years ago. I can't believe I can say that, but it was about eight years ago I joined the team. And um, I joined the team to become a better leader. I uh, was a very young faculty member 
at Pennsylvania State University. And I was at a campus and being asked to do a million different things because I was trusted, but I didn't know what I was doing. And so I wanted to become a better leader. So I joined the John Maxwell team, which is so not higher ed, right? Like that, I was kind of like shamed for that, but I joined the John Maxwell team because I didn't go get my doctorate. I, I, I wanted to get this particular type of learning experience. And um, I, I really blossomed as a leader by, by joining this um, organization. And so um, I stayed true to my, to my core though. My core is serving young people. And um, uh, I used the resources that they had at the time and that was youth max and i started doing it so often and incorporating it into the programming and work i was doing from the university that the president of the company at the time uh, paul martinelli noticed and said hey how are you using that with young people because at the time the john maxwell team was like not serving youth at all um, john was doing some work with his leadership foundation to serve young people but he wasn't doing it through the, the company the john maxwell team so fast forward about uh, five years later, we start doing um, uh, the Global Youth Initiative. And basically we ask team members throughout our entire organization to raise their hand and serve young people for free, hosting youth leadership events in their community. And even now um, amidst the pandemic, we have folks doing virtual events and really the goal is to equip and empower young people, uh, helping them to see their own value as well as the value of others so that not only their lives are transformed, but those of the, of, of the people in their life. So whether it's their family, their schools, their communities, and um, that they can step up and be the now generation leaders that we need. Amazing stuff, and and uh, you know it's uh, the reason I joined JMT was the the, the same thing is I've been uh, had been working in the uh, nonprofit world, specifically summer resident camps and outdoor environmental education, and and went in the in the same direction, uh, and I've been a part of that global youth initiative uh, for the last few years as well, uh, serving more through my uh, my home church than uh, through other places, um, so I. You know, one one of the things um, uh, that that uh, is is very clear about the initiative and and the program, uh, including some of the uh, the the latest stuff that's just been rolled out uh, through that uh, uh, global youth initiative. Uh, uh, it, one of the, the the words that stuck out for me is all about resilience. And uh, there's, there's a lot of different words that John focuses in on or that the curriculum focuses in on utilizing John's uh, teachings. Um, and, and resiliency has been one of the uh, common threads with everybody that we've interviewed over the last few months. Uh, and it's been one of those things that I've been focusing on uh, in my work with young people is empathy and resilience. Um, so what's one thing that you're doing, Gina, uh, to, to, to become more resilient in these turbulent, crazy times? That is such a great question. Um, I stole it right from you and yeah. the curriculum. <laughs> No, it's so, it's so good. I mean, um, I would say, you know, um, when I, when I've been working with my staff, so I, I have the pleasure of serving with multiple teams and in the, the different roles that I get to, um, 
show up in every day. And um, for, for me, you know, um, not only are we in a health pandemic, we also in the United States specifically are in a, a time of, of social, just, social injustice and civil unrest. Um, all the work that I do is impacted by those two things. There's not a space that I serve in where I um, won't be addressing in some way, shape or form those two major um, uh, experiences that we're all facing right now. So to answer your question about resilience, I, I think one thing that's allowed me to show up resilient is to um, show up and have hard conversations and stand in the gap when necessary. Now, that might seem like, well, I mean, you're, you, I, I'm, it, it's, it's exercising those muscles, right? Like I'm, I'm in, I'm, I'm allowing myself to stand in hard places and have difficult conversations and not saying that I have the right answers. It's just, I'm willing to have those conversations so that I can stay in community and be in relationship with people um, during this unprecedented time. Um, I think when we exercise those muscles, we find out just how strong we are and it shows just how resilient we, we can be. So, so standing in the gap and, and, those hard, and having hard conversations, I also think I've been able to be resilient um, because fortunately for me, um, my mind kind of works in that when there's chaos, I see opportunity. When there's crisis, I see ways that um, we can show up better. Um, I'm, I'm kind of even tempered that way. Um, and I know not everybody's built like that. And so um, while I am still exhausted most days because of what that requires of me, I am super grateful that my um, natural organic lean is, is, to, is to be present in that way for the different people in my life. So yeah, I think that's, that's how I've been able to, to show up and be pretty resilient. So is there a, uh, uh, as, as you've moved through the, uh, you know, these last six months have been, uh, you know, just, we all know what it's been yeah. like. Uh, yeah. is, is, is there something that you've learned about yourself that surprised you? Yeah. Um, hmm. I, I took my first break um, since Christmas this past weekend. And um, normally, I'm pretty good about boundaries. Normally, I'm pretty good about, you know, oh, I need to take some time off. I need to, to take a break. One thing I learned about myself is that when there is crisis and chaos, I tend to show up more or feel like I have a need to show up more, which isn't healthy. <laughs> it's not the healthiest decisions I've made recently. And so... Um, yeah, so actually you guys are getting a refreshed version of Gina because I had some time away and spent some intentional time with my family. Um, so yeah, I, I think one, one thing I learned about myself was that. Another thing I've learned is that um, people will, um, if you give people opportunity, they'll show up in the way that they need to. And um, I was able to witness that over and over again with the people that I work with, the people I lead, the people that I serve. And um, 
So I think another thing that I learned was that giving people space that I need to be able to give people space to show up best for themselves um, and for me too. Yeah. I've, I've, I've had this conversation with lots of leaders in, in giving that space uh, for folks, uh, the, the giving them that opportunity. Uh, you said they'll show up. Uh, sometimes I've heard that said as, as uh, you know, getting out of people's way and letting them step up or, yep. you know, oh, here's your opportunity to step up. It, 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 how do you help people define that stepping up, that showing up? Uh, or is that part of uh, how you lead or, or do you let people just discover it on their own? Yeah, that's a, great, that's a great question. I think it depends. I mean, I hate when people say that. It depends, but <laughs> it does. It, it depends. I think, I, I think, you know, if I'm talking about my role as a supervisor and I'm leading a team, I might be more intentional with giving guidance or direction or instruction so that my team can show up well and do the job before them, right? Um, if I'm talking about, you know, my children, or um, my, a personal relationship, my husband or, or family, I might be more hands off and, and, and allow that to happen more organically. So I, I think it depends on the role um, that, that you play in that particular situation as far as how, how you allow people to, to show up. The, the, the important part is, is that you allow it. it. It's the allowing that, that you can control. And that's the part that I needed to, to be, uh, to allow to happen. Yeah. So, so Gina, part of this podcast is speaking to young professionals, right? Or the crazy young people who think they want to do this for a living and they should because it's the best job ever. But (laughs) how can you convey to a 22 year old? The because I know at 2021, 20, I didn't do it. I we used to hold the badge. Al and I've talked to think about in this episode or this podcast before that we used to be like, Yeah, I lost 15 vacation days this year. Yeah, you were like excited, right? You were like, Yeah, well, oh, well, I lost 17. You're like, Oh, I got beat. And now my mind is like, Oh man, I left like an hour and a half on the table. Like, how did I, how did I miss that? You know, how do you how do you talk to as you're, you know, you're supervising this 22 year old out of college who wants to knock your socks off and yep. wants to step up by taking everything. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, I got it. I got your back, Gina. I like you. So I'm going to, I'm going to work Saturday and not get paid. I'm just going to yep. come in Saturday and do it. How do you stop them and, and have it sink into their brain that that's not the right way to move for your own mental health, I think is a huge part. That is such a, it's a great question. And I, and honestly, I, the reason why I'm like smiling so big, I wish you guys could see me cheesing is because um, it's one of the like main principles of my leadership right now in my current role, even though I just got done telling you throughout this pandemic, I wasn't taking a break, but give me a little bit of slack on that. It was a pandemic. However, normal Gina. Um, uh, it's funny that you asked that question on, on my whiteboard um, in my office. Um, I have the word early talent um, there. And that's what we're referring to young people as um, that, that in the workforce is early talent. So young people who might have just graduated college or um, just are newer to the profession. And then how do you specifically walk with them well, right? And so I've been like super intentional um, right now, I supervise um, every member of the working 
class. So every generation, I have a representative of every generation of the working class. So I like am supervising five, is that five, six generations of people. So you can imagine I have to pivot often for how I serve people well. That particular group though of, of early talent leaders, um, I get the pleasure to, to serve most because they're the, that's the most of the uh, my staff are, are in that pool. Um, and um, I'm a parent of a 22 year old. So another podcast for you guys is Gina has a 22 year old and a two year old and she gave birth to both of them. That's a different podcast. But anyways, that's, so, a, that's, that's a lot. I would imagine Gina, a very long podcast. That's like, a very that's long multi-series. Podcast. Yeah. 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 We're, we're bringing you back in six months for that. Okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. If you can, commit, if, you, if you can make the time for us, cause that, I mean, whoo. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> 20 year difference. So, but anyway, so, so my son graduated college, he's 22 year old, complete workaholic, right? He saw his mother do it. So that's part of it. Um, what, what I often say to my team and, and the people I work with, and this is across all generations, but in particular to my early talent leaders, um, is that if you do not make time for what is important, only the urgent things will dictate your life. So you'll always live in the urgent. So it's really understanding the important versus the urgent. And of those important things, the most important thing is your health. Because if you are not healthy, if you are not whole, you will be of no value to those who you intend to serve. Um, and it's, it's, the, it's the whole, um, you know, the, the experience that we have when we're flying on an airplane. And they tell you to put your mask on first, and then you put on the mask for, for your child or for somebody next to you because you can't help if, you're, if you can't breathe. And so um, my, my staff actually knows that I expect you to work your work schedule. I do not expect you to work outside of that. I expect you to take time off. I ask them about taking time off. And I also um, am super intentional about um, their overall mental spiritual health. Like, so we, we are, we spend significant time in making sure that we do resets. So that actually, like that question just is, is at my heart at all times. Great. And I think modeling it, like you said, you're doing, you're modeling it, you're showing them, you're not saying go home and you're there till 10 o'clock at night and, and going through stuff. So Gina, thanks for, for the first uh, part of this episode. We're going to take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back. If you're interested in having your voice heard on this podcast, go to youthdevelopmentpro.com and send us an email. We are back here with uh, my fellow John Maxwell coach and uh, uh, Gina Watts. Uh, And uh, Gina, I I, want to go in a little bit of a different direction. As I was doing some background research uh, for you, in your work with your your organization at home, um, I I saw that you, uh, there's a reference to uh, John 17, 21, which is a biblical reference. Uh, and um, uh, Michael and I both worked for the YMCA for a long time. John seventeen twenty one is that they all may be one, 
uh, and it's the founding scripture of the YMCA. Uh, but I was fascinated by, by, by the connection there. And, uh, and I wanted to include uh, Michael in since uh, he's not part of the, 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 the JMT world. Uh, but one of the things that I wanted to ask you about in that reference, in, in how you uh, bring that to life through, through your organization, is um, in this time where we are turbulent to the max, socially, culturally, uh, you know, I look at that scripture and I no longer work for the Y, the, uh, but I, I think about that they all may be one. We need that now more than ever. Um, where is that showing up for you? How are you putting that to work in your work? Yeah, so. Hmm. We really are intentional with um, how we serve people. And I apologize for, for the pauses. I just, I, it's hard to articulate fully the work that we're able to do um, at the church. Um, uh, but that scripture actually sums it up quite, quite well, uh, as does Micah 6, 8. Um, but but to that scripture, that they may all be one. Um, I'm fortunate to work at an organization where our uh, senior pastor, our founding pastor, has uh, been fully and always committed to um, making sure that there are multiple voices at the table and that we are truly living what the scriptures tell us, um, that we walk together, that we serve together, that we lead together, that we feed each other, that we care for one another. And so you'll see that reflected in everything that we do. Um, in particular, the work that I get to do in overseeing the missions ministries, um, that's our health clinics, that's our after-school programs, that's our daycare, that's our uh, prison ministry, our immigration counseling services, um, social work, I have about 15 departments that, that I get to, to lead and, and work with. Um, it, those, those services are important because we believe that we are all one. And um, so, so we get to live that out um, and express that through those, ex those specific actions um, through those, those programs and services. Uh, I'll give you an example. We have, um, uh, young people who are enrolled in, and you know, we're a Christian organization, we're a church, and um, we have young people enrolled in our after-school program who are non-believers, um, are maybe believe a different faith, or maybe are non-believers in, in, in anything, and um, their families come here um, because they know that they'll be served well, they'll be walked with well, and they'll be uh, seen as, as equals and cared for. Um, we, 85% of the people that we serve through our community center in specific are um, typically foreign born, don't speak English, um, and um, don't believe in Christ. And so we get to do that. We get to walk with them and serve them. And we always ask them, why do you come here? Why, why do you come for services here? Why do, you, why do you partner with us? Why do you pay us for services, right? Because not everything's free. And um, 
they always say, well, you're Christians. Aren't you supposed to be kind? Aren't you supposed to care for us well? And because we get to see that lived out, then, you know, we know we're doing a good job. So. Don't you, so you're talking to um, an agnostic who worked for the YMCA for 27 years and currently works for a JCC, right? Mm -hmm. So I hear exactly what you're saying, but man, it kind of hurts my heart a little bit. Shouldn't we all kind of be doing that, right? And that's where, that's that struggle that, that I come with and, and sit and, and, you know, over my career and I'm a good guy. We all have the same beliefs, right? I mean, us, we're in the similar boat. Only about 20, I run a summer day camp. Only about 20, I think it was 26% of our kids identify as someone in their family who is Jewish. We're JCC. We do Shabbat on Friday. Like I had to learn about Shabbat. I have no clue. I've heard of the word, but I never went to a Shabbat. Now I can lead Shabbat. You do not want me singing any of the Hebrew, but (laughs) you know, but that's, it's important to connect with our culture and families come to us and we ask the same questions you do. Why? I mean, there's, there's a, a regular traditional day camp and, and they're like, this is the program that impacts us the most. You have the same. And there's a, there's a, a group in the, in the JCC world that, and I'm, I joined them wholeheartedly. They're like, Oh, these are our Jewish values. It's the same values the YMCA has. It's the same values, Gina. I don't, I just knowing you tonight, but same values you have, right? It's the, it's values. It's not Christian values. It's not Jewish values. It's not, you know, atheist values. It's values that we have that I think I struggle with across everything and say, oh, well, these are Christian values. Ah, man. Their values, they're what we should all hold dear and we should all reach back and grab somebody's hand and pull them up as we rise, no matter what you believe. And I think, you know, I, I, I always get that, that tinge and I, I just want to make sure that, you know, you're saying exactly what we're hearing in the JCC world and I'm sure across all secular, you know, um, summer programs, after school programs, we're all saying the same thing. We got to create these, these children to be better, stronger people. So I just wanted to give you my nickel. No, that was great. Or, or great. I'm a JCC, so my shekel. There you go. I'll give you my shekel, <laughs> which is worth more than a penny. So, you know, it's, it's an upcharge. So we're good. So. Love it. <laughs> so. so Gina, you mentioned after school. Talk to us a little bit about, right, we're pandemic now. Right. Um, you know, what's going on with your after school? What are some of like... What are some of the challenges you have and how are you overcoming them? Uh, you could talk a little bit about the physical plant and, you know, masks, non-masks, but then also yeah. how, are we, how are we taking care of the kids' mental health in your program? Sure. Um, so um, I live earlier, I mentioned, you know, I live in Columbus, Ohio. And um, so another podcast, I'm a Penn State Nittany Lion married to an Ohio State Buckeye living in Columbus. I also love the Pittsburgh Steelers and he loves the Cleveland Browns. So you guys know, like during football season, our household is a hot mess. But well, anyway, Al a- and I have to yell out, but uh, Bill's mafia, just laying oh. everybody out there for everybody. Buffalo you know. Bill's mafia. Buffalo yeah. Bill's mafia. I, I'm not from here. I, you know, we can mute so Gina sad. and just drown her out, I think is the way we're going to have to do this. But, you know, I'm uh, just but. saying, <laughs> we have how many rings? Okay. But wait, anyway, wait. Oh, so, oh, oh so, wait. Sorry, Gina, you cut. I can't hear you, Gina. You're cutting off. <laughs> you're cutting off, Gina. I can't. 
you know, everybody, everybody's entitled to their wrong opinion, Gina, and we're okay with yours. Okay. So, all right. So I anyway, <laughs> I love it. But, um, so, um, yes, yeah, so <laughs> listen, I started talking about football and forgot what we were even talking about. We, we got to rewind the podcast here, everybody. So, so everybody just rewind, listen to the question and we'll figure it out. No, we're all good. You're going to talk about your in-person after school yeah, program. Yeah. So, so, um, we, you know, when the pandemic hit, we basically shut everything down. Um, our, uh, what I, where I was going with it saying I lived in Columbus, Ohio, as our governor was, was kind of praised at the beginning, for those of you living in the States and listening to this, our governor was praised in the beginning for his response. He was kind of featured all over the news for, for the work that he had did. And so, you know, we, we, um, we pretty much shut down um, immediately we had closed our operations for our after school and our summer program was getting ready to kind of start. So it's like March and April. So we immediately pivoted to go work from home, work remotely. We began to offer virtual classes and experiences for the kids almost immediately. Um, again, that resilience question earlier and talking about like allowing people to, to show up well. My, my team, I'm just so amazed by their creativity and the work that they did. They were able to serve young people almost immediately in a virtual model that we never had before. Like we're talking about staff that don't have Facebook or don't use Instagram or TikTok or any of those things and being able to pivot pretty quickly. Um, and then um, it was time to think about, would we come in person? Now, many organizations were not offering an in-person option for summer. And so uh, we were the first ones to do it. And we had a few people follow behind. And uh, now we're gonna be able to do the same thing with our after school program. So yeah, we're thinking through all of the challenges, you know, um, wearing a mask, uh, the kids have to wear a mask. We have um, wonderful processes and procedures. Uh, I say wonderful because as of right now, um, we've been operational for several months and we have had no known outbreaks of coronavirus and we've never had to shut down um, for any of our programs or operations. So, Congratulations. Thank you, thank you. So between us and the kids and the families, we're all doing our part to stay safe. I think you hit the nail on the head too, that like doing our part, right? Trusting that the families are managing and communicating with you directly. We ran a summer camp this summer. We had zero COVID cases as well. And we were, you know, it's that faith. Again, we're talking about faith here. We're talking about faith of people and talking about faith of in, in our communities that we create. And, you know, parents just, have you had contact with anyone who is showing signs and symptoms of COVID? No. You know, that's a lot of faith in, in today and we have to trust and I think it's trust in humanity. So, so talk to us a little bit. How are your kids in your program managing? Like how are, how's their mental health? How are they, do they seem more anxious? Do they seem more chilled? You know, we, you know and, and talk to us a little bit about how, how you see the kids operating. Sure. So we, um, during our summer program in particular, um, that was pretty much the height of the pandemic. Um, as far as one minute, you know, we might be safe to go back to school. The next minute, there's going to be no school. So all of those, the kids were managing all of those feelings. Um, they were also managing their parents' feelings. <laughs> and they, um, 
uh, and then also um, with the civil unrest and social injustice that was happening, right? So um, we, um, a majority of our kids, I had, I had mentioned, you know, 85% of the people that come into our spaces um, are, are foreign-born, non-English speakers, um, and um, a significant number of our kids in our summer and after-school program um, would identify as African-American or African. Um, and so for them, in particular, the young men, um, in our middle school and high school program, we had almost all young men enrolled. And when I tell you that they were just overwhelmed by um, life, you know, they came in with questions like, when am I going to be killed? That's a real question. That's not for shock value. That happened. Um, or why, you know, why do people hate us? Um, or am I ever, am I going to live long enough to see my dreams achieved? Like, I don't want to do a dream session with you. I'm not going to even be alive long enough to do that. So These Gina, are- I'm going to, I'm going to interrupt you really here. Cause this is, you're hitting on some important topics that, you know, again, younger youth development professionals are going to, you know, they're hearing this across I'm going to say the world, right? With a lot of this that's going on, they're hearing these questions. How do you, not necessarily how do you counsel the child asking the questions? How do you counsel the staff person who's hearing this for the first time? How do you prepare them? Yeah. Yeah. And that's if what you I can. <laughs> no, and that's what I had to do. Right. And so what I'll, what I'll share with this group, you know, um, some of my team, so most of my team is, is, you know, early talent leaders. And so we're talking um, 19 to 23, 24. And um, they were put in these positions with answering these questions. And so after the first time it happened, I immediately called a staff meeting um, and said, hey, let's process. Let's process together. Let's talk through this. Um, one thing that I found with my team is that they wanted to provide an answer or a solution or, you know, go deeper. And what I explained to them was, I was like, listen, I don't even know how to go deeper. I don't expect you to go deeper. This is a really messed up time in our lives. And the one thing that we need to be is a safe place for these kids to express their anxiety, to express their fear, to express their frustrations. And then we need to allow them, you know, allow them space to talk about it, but then not stay there. So then we can think through what is it that I can do as a young person to show up well in this time, right? So um, so we, we just had a really hard conversation about what, um, what it meant to show up for people and to be present for them and to not have the solutions um, because you don't have the answers and, and it's okay that you don't. How can you still walk well with the, the young people that are sharing their heart with you? Um, I also made sure we did um, a meeting with the parents um, because the parents were, um, you know, overwhelm themselves by everything going on. Um, we had many parents who were unintentionally transferring their anxiety, their anger, their fear, their um, overwhelming feelings of, you know, related to their job, having a job, losing a job. Well, will we have money? Will we not get money? You know, all those things over to their kids. 
And so um, I just, I had a town hall, a parent town hall and said, hey, we, we need to talk about this. And these are the things that, that your children are saying. And we didn't out the kids and who said what, but we were able to, to have an honest conversation with the parents. And it was really um, eye-opening for them. And they expressed nothing but appreciation um, because they didn't know. So, um, yeah, so I think, you know, and for me as a leader, for those of you listening who are a more seasoned leader, for me as a leader, I had to be willing to say, I don't know. I don't, I don't have, I, I don't know. I don't have the answer. I, I've never lived through a pandemic that's requiring us to pivot every five minutes. I've never, I've never lived through this level of um, uh, responsiveness to social injustice. Because the social injustice part has always been there. And for those of you listening, I'm an African-American woman. Um, and so I, I have a different level of experience and pain feel, feel uh, feelings of pain related to what's happening in our country. Um, my son has gone running and looked into houses like Ahmaud Arbery. Um, when that happened, I was utterly devastated and mortified and asked my child to quit running outside. Um, I, so, so I had a different level of a feeling but that still didn't mean I had the answers or, or should communicate to these kids or their families what they should or shouldn't do. But what I could do is give them resources on how to learn more about what's happening in, the, in their community. And, and if they did wanna show up in a certain way, here's some information and resources to do so. Um, and one final thing on that point, we, we also allowed them to express themselves creatively. Um, we, the kids were able to participate in activities. Um, they learned about the value of protests and marches. And while we didn't um, have a position on the topics, we explained to them the value of the children's march, which actually led, um, uh, it was the children's response to the bus boycott um, that was happening, in, you know, in our, in our history's nation, in our nation's history. And nobody knew that. A lot of people don't know about the children's march. And so they got to see how valuable young people are in movements um, all across the world. I, I, I'm fascinated by the process that you've been uh, put through or, or working through. Um, and, and, and I think the thing that stood out for me the most was talking about youth who have to manage their parents' feelings. And, and how do you, you know, are, uh, you know, and then I think about, um, you know, the Global Youth Initiative, and, and I don't want to bring it back to John, but here, here's something that is being done on a regular basis that's equipping young people to learn how to lead. And sometimes you have to lead your parents. You, you have to lead that authority. So um, any, any closing thoughts on that and uh, tying it all back together? I, I, I keep going back to resiliency because we're asking these young people to be resilient in a time where no one has have, had, have had to do all these things at once. Sure. I, you know, one thing I've learned during this time, one of the things I've learned, I've learned so many things, but one of the things that I've learned is that um, most young people I've interacted with, they were already resilient. They, they, they just needed an opportunity to show that they were resilient. 
And so while we were scrambling to figure out how we can make sure they could still have this or still have that, um, they were already like, it's okay. And, and the only reason why they started managing parents and adults emotions is because we didn't do a good job of managing them ourselves. And so I think with young people, it's super important to remember that they will be strong. They will bounce back. They, they need us to care for them well. They shouldn't have to manage all of the weight of the world. You know, they're still children, but at the same time, we should allow, we should trust that they, that they are resilient and they'll bounce back. You know, I think of it in terms of my, my two kids, you know, I have 20, 20 year difference between my kids. My two year old, well, he'll be two next month. He was going through teething. He was, you know, um, missing his friends and missing daycare, but he didn't, he just loved being around mommy and daddy because that's what his new normal was. He's resilient. My 22 year old, he lost his season of track in uh, his collegiate career. It was, um, he was an all-American high jumper. And that was an actual very important thing. For those of you that aren't familiar with what that status means, it's he was like in the top um, eight in the country for high jump and division two. Um, he lost his career. Uh, he um, ended his college career, you know, uneventfully. Within months though, he had a great job working for a, a major resort, um, he bounced back. He's resilient. And there's a million stories in between for kids between the ages of two and 22 who have been resilient. And if we allow them the space, they'll probably teach us more than we could ever teach them. So. That, that was perfect. That I, could, I couldn't have ended it any better on that one. That it, just I am in awe of the children. Uh, we're going to be okay, you yep. know. When when we're these these old people, you know, walking around with a cane or whatever, we're we're going to be okay. These 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 kids these kids got it. So, uh, Gina, why don't you tell us how do people get a hold of you? What's a way to contact you? Your website will be in the the notes of the podcast. But what's a good way to get a hold of you? Sure. So yeah, my website, obviously, ginawatts.com, G-I-N-A-W-A-T-T-S.com. Um, and you can always connect with me too on LinkedIn. Um, and uh, it's just Gina, Gina Watts on LinkedIn. So I, I love connecting with people and learning about their stories, especially young people who are interested in serving youth. Um, it's my passion. It's my heart. And I love learning from each other of how we can better show up for this generation. That that was great. And I just want everybody to know very limited John Maxwell quotes, at least for the first two sections. Now, Al and I have another section. Uh, I think we might, Al, how are we going to be? We're going to be okay. Or we're going to fill them up. We're, we're, we're going to be okay. We're gonna okay. Be okay. <laughs> so Gina, thanks again for joining us and yeah. uh, you know, Stay tuned. We'll be right back after this commercial break. Thanks so much to our sponsors, Expert Online Training. Al, you've used Expert Online Training. Tell us about it. 
I have. I've been a past user and, and, and a big fan of expert online training. I've used them for our first year staff. I've used them uh, for returning leaders. I've used them for our senior leadership uh, or what uh, some people call the, the directing team and I call the support staff. Uh, the different topics and presenters that they have really are worthwhile in tailoring training to your specific camp teams in so many different ways. It's a great program. My camp is using expert online training this summer. So if you're interested in expert online training, go to expertonlinetraining.com and check them out. Welcome back, everybody. I Just an amazing, amazing time with Gina. She She's inspirational, and I, I really I learned a lot. Al, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you learned today? Well, I, you know, as I think about Gina and, and having interacted with her these last few years uh, through the John Maxwell team, um, you know, one of John's sayings is, you know, uh, that, that she has the heart of a champion. Uh, and his quote is, champions don't become champions in the ring. They are merely recognized there. And, and let me tell you, when she starts to pull out and talk about uh, the kind of work that she's doing in helping build resiliency with young people and, and just actually recognizing that young people are resilient and, and, and we really don't need to bring that forward. They're bringing it to us in a lot of ways. So uh, I, I, I'm just always in, um, in, in awe of what she brings forward. Uh, you know, she, uh, she had one other reference where she talked about um, uh, Micah from uh, a, a biblical standpoint, uh, which is all about justice, mercy, and humility, Michael, uh, for those who aren't familiar. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, you listen to to Gina, and she's talking about justice, she's talking about mercy, and she brings that quality of humility to forward in how she's delivering uh, and serving the youth and the staff that she's working with. Yeah, I I was really impressed. One of the one of the things she said today was um, when she was talking about working and and saw her supervisor uh, noticed something, and she said she was trusted, but she didn't know what she was doing. And I think we've all kind of been in that situation where you're learning to gather your skills and build your skills to become where you want, who you want to be and where you want to go and to identify that at a young age and say, you know, I know I was trusted, but I didn't know what I was doing. And that's why she joined the John Maxwell group. And she, she made that commitment to become better. Um, I thought that was, that was super, uh, super great. I thought also, I loved her term early talent leaders. I love that. That's great. That's just exactly where we where we want to end up and and how we want to perceive the young professionals coming up and who we're trying to mentor and and get into this this amazing youth work that we do. So and and, and one of the concepts that John uh, talks about with uh those emerging talent leadership uh is that everyone, you know, if they everyone who walks in the door has got a 10 on their forehead. Uh, in, in other words, on, you know, on that scale of one to 10, that they are a 10 as they come in. And, and it's our role to help them uh, maintain and achieve and, and, and grow that 10 and keep it moving forward. So 
I, I, you know, it, she just speaks so much to uh, the same kind of philosophy that John has uh, and, and that I've uh, learned and, and put into practice over these uh, last four decades in, in, in my youth work as well. Yeah. So thanks, Al, for, for playing with us again tonight. You know, if you enjoy our podcast, please, please, please give us a five star, you know, love how much we're doing it. Send us a comment, uh, reach out to Al or myself. Uh, you can just uh, let us know how much you love it. And if you're interested in being on the podcast, we're also uh, always looking for guests. We are very excited that you are hanging in there with us on our 25th show. And we have uh, the next couple of episodes are going to be great. They're going to be actually the next two episodes are going to be our recap episodes. So we're, we're reaching back a little bit over the last 25 episodes, people we talked to five, four, five, six months ago, and we're kind of getting an update of, of where they are now. So uh, thanks everybody for joining us. Be healthy, be well, and uh, we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.